0: Welcome to Talking Tolkien. Today we are talking about Chapter 11 of The Fellowship of the Ring, A Knife in the Dark. I'm John.
1: I'm Katie.
0: I'm Chase. And I'm not going to forget this time, Katie, on this day in Middle Earth.
1: Yay, I'm so proud of you. So today is October 22nd, and the today in Middle Earth that I have actually occurred in The Hobbit. On October 22nd, in the year 2941, Bilbo and the dwarves were waiting outside the hidden door at the Lonely Mountain. And trying to remember how long it took to remember how to open it, just sitting there for like weeks. Oh, that would make sense
0: because it That's, is getting yeah, yeah, it's like in fall.
1: Well and Durance Day is fast approaching as yes. well right now. October twenty second, I believe, was the official Durance Day of that year. Right. so
2: within a month I was about to say the hobbits and the fellowship of the ring are not going very fast but then I realized wait it took them from the Lonely Mountain I mean the Long Lake to Lonely Mountain one month right? because it, it was Bilbo's birthday it was,
1: it was got several weeks yeah
2: it was his birthday September when he was 22nd, r- washed yep. up and then like they did all that stuff in mm-hmm. the Long Lake and then ended up at the Lonely Mountains that was yep. one month yep. and so for one month Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin have been doing whatever out yep. in the middle of the Shire and yep. have finally and have gotten I feel like we've not gotten very far not that <laughs> I, I had to pull up a map this
0: chapter
1: yeah, yeah we, we, we got a little bit more geography we're, and we're
0: not very we far go. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> alright so where last we left the Hobbits and now Strider uh, they were in the Prancing Pony Inn and we were basically getting caught up we got the letter from Gandalf Strider was kind of given the details about, like, you don't know how serious this is. We're also
1: introduced to Strider himself, yes. which was, of course, fun. And we also had a little bit of a mishap involving the ring.
0: Oh, yeah. Fro- Frodo, like, <laughs> falls off a table while putting the ring and on. accidentally oh.
1: slips the ring on his finger.
2: For a moment, I had this, like, thought of, like, it fell onto someone else's finger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, this is like... That would have been really startling. <laughs> that would have been incredibly different uh, and way worse, <laughs> Probably.
0: Especially if you didn't know, like, what was going on. And you were like, why can't people see me? And you kept walking into them.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, and additionally, when we last left off, they're kind of all hiding out together in the the little parlor of their rooms. And Strider is saying, don't go to your rooms. Because, again, there are black riders about. And they can,
0: they're smart enough to know where Hobbits would stay.
1: Yeah. So here we are. Chapter 11, A Knife in the Dark.
0: So uh, a brief, brief note about me reading this. um, I read it this morning, and last night I picked up a friend from Ireland who's in town visiting. So, you know, I told him, I was like, sleep all you want, just come knock on my door in the morning. So he knocked on my door and I was like, come in. And he like, came in, and I was like reading this big, thick book, and he's like, are you reading the Bible? <laughs> and I showed him the front page, and I was like, well, it's a
1: Bible to some people. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you could have you said, why, yes, yes, I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is the good book.
1: It's,
2: it's, it's vastly becoming my Bible, because every time I do anything in life now, I notice tendrils... Yeah. Connecting back to Tolkien's work,
1: right? Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. You've right. made me a
2: nerd.
0: <laughs> so, rather than opening with our hobbits in Bree, as has been the tradition for basically all of all of this book so far, mm-hmm. as you know, maintaining a singular narrative, mm-hmm. we actually flash back to Buckland and mm-hmm. Fatty Bulger. Yeah. Is it a flashback or a flash well, sideways? Flash sideways. Flash
1: sideways. Yeah. Flash sideways. Yeah. But essentially we have kind of left our main characters for a brief moment to talk about somebody else. So, Which will happen a lot later yeah. on. But, yeah. but this is the first instance of that in this book. That's right.
0: Although it does happen in The Hobbit, doesn't it?
2: Don't they... Well, to Long Lake and stuff.
0: Well, no, when, when Thorin is imprisoned, isn't, doesn't the narrative briefly shift over Oh, to yeah, that's right. I remember yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, yeah. That's, right. Yeah.
1: that's right. But anyway, we have a quick look at Crick Hollow at the beginning of this chapter. And remember how we had been told... We had this kind of ominous warning. Like Fatty Bulger was not aware of what a dangerous yeah. undertaking he has been given now. With
2: a name like Fatty Bulger, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it even makes sense. Aww. That's me to Fatty Bolger, but I'm saying him as a character seemed very I mean, he's like, like clueless.
1: Very Doughboy of Tolkien characters. Pears
2: very Doughboy right. of hobbits, which is saying something. <laughs>
1: But so, poor Fatty Bulger now, he's at Crick Hollow, and there are, you know, scary, shadowy things about And of course he's terrified, as he very well should be. Black riders even come up to the door and are kind of banging at the door and demanding information, you know, and, and things. And and Fatty has his wits about him and runs away, thankfully, and manages to get everyone to raise the alarm.
0: Well, I'd actually like to take a little bit more time on this, because... They, like, they basically come up and try and enter, like, in the daytime, like, get information, mm-hmm. and then they just, like, wait and, like, wait and wait, and then later on, at nighttime, they, like, break in, and, like, it says, open in the name of Mordor, said a voice thin and menacing. So
2: that part was weird And me.
0: they, like, mm-hmm. like bust the door in and, like, invade the house, and to find that nobody is there. Mm-hmm. And so I actually found this passage really interesting, just the very beginning, because it shows you how kind of limited the wraiths' abilities are. Like, they are terrifying and they are menacing, but they're really, really poorly informed, at least in this case. Like, they don't even notice that Fatty Bulger escapes from the house while they're watching it.
2: Yeah, I noticed that too because I feel like... Actually, it'll come up more along the way, so let's keep going yeah, well, first, yeah.
0: yeah. So Strider actually does address this later on. Yeah. I just thought, you know, it's really interesting, like, they, they they think Frodo... They think there's still a chance that Frodo would be in this house. Mm-hmm. And, and that the ring is there. Yeah, and they don't even notice someone leaving.
2: Actually, I had to I had to be honest for a brief moment, when I was when I was going back and mentioning like Fatty Bulger and this house and Black Riders being there, I had this brief brief moment where I was thinking, okay, maybe they don't think he's there. Maybe they're like sniffing it out. Maybe they're able to like like suck some sort of like weird uh, energy from the building, and that would give somehow. Fr- and they got Ugh. and it worked out because Ford was only there for like a night, so he's not like blasted energy into i don't know that.
1: <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> concept
0: <laughs> so anyway what happens instead is basically the second they bust down the door uh the kind of alarm system goes off mm-hmm. no pun intended <laughs> uh in that they have like a series of kind of beacons around and Buckland horns yeah and horns yeah so they they light the beacons and sound the horns and say you know awake fear fire foes awake And then it briefly says the brandy box were blowing the horn call of Buckland that had not been sounded for a hundred years, not since the white wolves came in the fell winter when the brandy wine was frozen over.
1: Yeah. So that gives us again, another point of context for how long this land has lived in peace and quiet. And uh, so now the first time in a hundred years, we have quite a bit of danger enough to raise the alarm. So now of course the black riders have information and that information is that the ring is no longer here. Um, So they ride off immediately. Well, it
0: says the Black Riders rode like a gale to the North Gate. Mm -hmm. Let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later.
1: Yeah. Which is, again, rather ominous. Like they're they're like, oh, don't, don't, don't worry about these hobbits. They'll get taken care of. And
0: so then it cuts back to Frodo and Frodo wakes up as so often he does from the From his sleep. Although this time he wasn't dreaming. He was in a deep sleep. Uh, Suddenly, as if some sound or presence had disturbed him, he saw that Strider was sitting alert in his chair, uh, and then Frodo went to sleep again. But his dreams were again troubled with the noise of wind and galloping hooves.
2: And that's where I had this brief moment where I was thinking that Frodo was potentially having a dream. But then I went back and realized, oh, wait, no, because dreams have been not as vividly like have had had, had as vivid descriptions as they had in that previous one.
1: Yeah and and th- but at the same time though this is another instance of like Frodo's have a lot of kind of precognitive dreams. Yeah. Uh and are intensely related to to the situation. Yeah.
0: Right well, I can't help but wonder if another bit of the British uh fantasy canon is inspired off of this and that would be the first chapter of book 4 of Harry Potter.
1: Was that the one? That's the one where That's the one where
0: Voldemort is uh, meeting with Wormtail right. and the Muggle gardener is like right,
1: right, like, right, right. right. There's right. something
0: going on in the house, and he like goes in and finds it. Oh and yeah, ends and, with and the Harry garden has dying, and then Harry sees like the whole thing. Harry wakes up. It's one of my favorite morning. scenes
2: from that book series, actually. Yeah. And then she does it again at the beginning of Half Blood Prince, not Half Blood Prince, uh, Order Deathly Hallows.
1: Oh yeah, there was one. Or the have, Phoenix starts. Oh, that was because Harry was... We're talking about Harry Potter again. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway. Oh, no. So Frodo has had this dream and kind of restless all night. And and in the very early morning, Strider wakes them all up and says, Okay, let's go look at these rooms now. Well, what about breakfast? (laughs) No. And so they, they go to the rooms. And good thing that they did not stay there because what happened to the rooms overnight? They were sacked. Yeah.
2: They were completely sacked. They were, they were torn sacked. apart, windows blown open, and the it was bad.
0: And the bolsters slashed and flung upon the floor. So they show Butterbur and he says, Never has such a thing happened in my time. He cried, raising his fr- hands in horror. Guests unable to sleep in their bed and good bolsters <laughs> ruined <laughs> it all. Poor, what poor are we Butterbur.
1: To? They have brought so much chaos to his establishment. I, know.
0: <laughs> I just highlighted it and I said, Not the bolsters. Not the bolsters. Not the bolsters.
1: The bolsters. <laughs> Uh, yeah and but at the same time though, throughout the you know the the next couple of pages, we also see what a what a really good man that that yeah. Butterbur is uh, and again he, he had he had told us previously that he was afraid that Gandalf would like burn him to a crisp as he if he did not help him. <laughs> but again, I think we can also think you know, Butterbur's a good guy, yeah, yeah and, definitely, yeah, and so he, with he, a name
0: like Butterbur.
1: right <laughs> it's gotta be good. Yeah, I can't he's... believe
0: it's not Butterbur.
1: <laughs> that's our that's our next T-shirt. I would I would like a design of this, please. I can't believe it's not Butterbur and some like some kind of art, artist's rendition of the innkeeper and like I don't know what else, but
2: it would have to be like a sign for the the like the the the, the prancing pony, but like the prancing pony is like extra fat, mm-hmm. like the pony's extra extra fat, <laughs> <laughs> like the pony is Fatty Lumpkin. There we go.
0: Well, so speaking of which. They ponies. discover that the ponies, all the ponies in the in the barn have been let loose. Like not even not just the, the parties ponies, but all ponies everywhere. Yeah. Call the ponies. <laughs> every, all, all, all ponies every, at it's the pony rapture. Aww. no, it's just I, all the ponies and brie.
1: and they so, went off
2: to make their own civilization you know what? out in the middle of nowhere.
1: I this is a slight tangent, but I can't think if ponies would be raptured or not, because sometimes they can be pure evil <laughs> oh and sometimes they could be good. <laughs> but anyway. Regardless, but so yeah, the ponies all ran let's, away. You know, and... let's
0: let's pitch a TV show where two percent of the world's ponies disappear, and humanity <laughs> has to deal with that. Oh. So anyway, Butterbur, the good man that he is, offers to replace the pony mm-hmm. and it says, or at least to
1: find them a pony because. Yes. So, but before that, I kind of want to talk about this. So Strider's saying, "Well, we're going to have to go on foot now," and the hobbits are kind of like, oh, good mm-hmm. and then but then the, at the same time, they again show how hardy these hobbits are, you know, these hobbits are ready for what, I mean, they, they, they have moments where they're kind of like, Oh, but, but they are ready to take on challenges. They get,
2: they get what they're doing. You know what I mean? They get what they're having to to go off and do kind of.
1: So Pippin, of course, immediately is like, Oh, I can carry at least my stuff. And Sam, quickly says um, i can carry two people's supplies oh, sam. which is
0: be careful so, with that one <laughs> sam well, is like the chucky finster of
1: well sam is actually kind of the perfect example of the english soldier uh tolkien has said this before and we'll see a lot more evidence of this as we go through but sam is there to serve and he always is going to step up and do what needs to. Be w-
2: willing definitely. to like jump on the grenade for the buddies, right? Like, okay. Right? Yeah. All right. I got. I got. He has
1: a heart of gold. Sam has a heart of gold, and yeah. And it's it's kind of it was a moment that. Oh, Sam, you're so you're so great. But <laughs> they
0: do decide, you know, try and find a pony for the luggage. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, Bree is a bit of a one-pony town. <laughs> and that pony is the pre pony. <laughs> but they do manage <sighs> to find one. But guess who it belongs to? Yep. That
2: dude. That
0: dude. That dude. Bill. Bill. Bill Fer- Ferry. Fernie. 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 Mm-hmm. Why I mean, did we didn't we just do that? What was like, that? Like, we all, like, went in this weird, like, cophony. We all say. went
2: to, like, names or something like in our heads. Because I forgot his name. So I went to Bill Barney.
1: Bill Ferris Bueller. (laughs) Fernie. Fernie. Fernie.
0: So, what do they want? You know, well, okay, so then they say, like, the poor pony is, like, really, like...
1: Yeah, like, emaciated. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah, Tolkien
2: has spared no expense on the description of this pony.
1: Looks as though he may be knocking on death's door, you know? No, 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 no. (laughs)
2: Like specifically like there was a line that was like losing life but is not dead yet and doesn't want to die
1: yet so that was great yeah yeah. but
0: fernie being fernie uh won't part with it for less than thrice it's worth Mm -hmm. so butterbur himself pays for it with 12 for 12 silver pennies and so this is important because this is really the first time we've gotten any note note on the economy in middle earth Mm -hmm. and and I'm not gonna like delve into this beyond that, but like we actually get like, oh, okay, a pony is twelve silver pennies, and that's like an expensive pony, and it set Butterbur back.
1: Mm-hmm. And well, so also- we can
2: refer to the Gondor stock exchange after that and not <laughs> trading. Oh, we got we got a situation on pony futures.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Butterbur also, again, being the good guy that he is, offers Mary more uh silver pennies. Oh, he, yeah, he offered of Mary compensate. 18, 18 yeah.
0: pence of some compensation for the lost animals.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. As a matter of fact, he came out on the right side of the end. It turned out that later that only one horse had actually been stolen. Mm-hmm. The rest had driven off or bolted in terror.
1: And the best part is Mary's ponies. We, we, yeah, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite parts here is that we do learn the fate of Mary's ponies and what had they done? They, I, I love this. This is perfect. <laughs> so the ponies, Mary's five ponies had stuck together. And then they went off to find uh, Fatty Lumpkin. Oh, my God. Because they That's remembered right. their friend, their pony friend. You stick
0: together, we go after Buddy. My, my <laughs> note in the text to say BFFs. Said, yep. <laughs> For real.
1: I love it. But yeah, so then, you know, of course, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadillo? Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo. Then We're still later talking sends, about
2: Tom Bombadil. Sends
1: the pony. Oh, we will talk about Tom Bombadil all the time. Uh, sends the ponies to Bree and they have a good life there with Butterbur. But yeah, I, I love that that we got the... Tolkien loved horses, loved horses. I'm guessing which is that, yeah, I'm guessing Of that course, a thing that I appreciate very much. And so yeah, it's just it's I, I love that we learn of the pony's fate. So now, finally, after quite a delay, they they they're ready to set out from Bree uh, a bit later in the morning than they had hoped.
2: Like three hours, they're late. Even yeah. like, like I mean, I guess after a while, they're like, it's like no, it's like three hours, and then they're, like, talking with Bill Fernie.
0: Yeah. Well, so, uh, on their way out of town, Bill Fernie's kind of sneering at them. He's like, don't go ill-treating my poor old pony. And I was like, he's only a poor old pony because, because you, you made him that way. Yeah, and so, uh, Strider said, you, Fernie, put your ugly face out of sight or it will get... No, sorry. Sam said, you, Fernie, put your ugly face out of sight or it will get hurt. With a sudden flick, quick as lightning, an apple left his hand and hit Bill square on the nose. He ducked too late and curses came from behind the hedge. A waste of a Good apple, said Sam regretfully and strode on.
1: 10 points. 10 <laughs> points. I can't imagine Bill
0: how like, Sam's,
2: Sam says that. He's like,
0: "It was a good one. <laughs> We're getting out of here. And so then they have to go through a marsh called Midgewater.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm being eaten alive, cried Pippin. Midgewater. There are more midges than water. And then another great Samism he says, What do they live on when they can't get Hobbit?
1: Yeah. So the midges too, I, I, I feel like we can all relate to this because in the summer, you know, you have flying things that just don't leave you alone, especially if, if it's a particularly wet summer.
2: <laughs> this is actually the point where I needed to bring up a map again. <laughs> so.
1: so yeah, the, the midge water marshes are infested with these nasty flying things. And again, I, I feel like we can all relate to that. I kept wanting to like slap... You know, like my night, yeah, like I, imaginary mosquitoes yeah, and I, things buzzing around me. I
2: killed some mosquitoes this summer, the size of dachshunds. So yeah, I get and it. Yeah.
0: Do you ever have those moments and you're know, like those days where you wake up and you're just like, you feel like you're covered in cobweb and like. All day, like you feel like there's like a little string on your arm or something. Mm-hmm.
2: Funny aside, briefly, I was actually looking, checking my phone late at night, and how I do it was like I would have my phone under the, uh, like by the mattress and be looking down at it, saw something moving in the light of the phone. Turns out it was a spider crawling uh. about half an inch from my face. Uh. I killed it with my phone.
0: So, on that note, there's a fly that landed on my phone the other day, and I tried to screenshot it, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> But I can imagine
1: that that feeling of waking up with cobwebs on you is the exact feeling exactly. that our That's dear I hobbits have. And I, and I had that
0: this week and it drove me crazy.
1: But then I also liked, there was there was another description of kind of the things that are plaguing them through the midwater marshes, and it is another just great Samism here. So uh, Tolkien writes... There were also abominable creatures haunting the reeds and tussocks that from the sound of them were evil relatives of the cricket. There were thousands of them and they squeaked all around, neek, breek, breek, neek, unceasingly all the night until the hobbits were nearly frantic. And so I love that So Sam crickets. T- well- <laughs> but overexaggerated. over exaggerate. But an evil cousin of the cricket. Oh, yeah. And Sam, uh. Sam named them neeker-breekers. neeker Which is-
2: Concerning <laughs> knickerbreakers. <laughs>
1: Additionally, at the so they're they're kind of overnight and they've uh, they're trying to settle down and Frodo and Strider see this straight strange flashing light off in the distance which we're not given a whole lot of importance to at this moment in in the text but it's kind of they, it, they, they, you know Strider doesn't know what it is Frodo yeah. ask what it is Strider doesn't know it it just it says it reminds me of lightning yeah it reminds me of lightning and it's off in the distance in the mountains
2: and is this like this is is this their first night because they spend Along, like this is the part of the book where, and I actually, had this is the reason why I had to bring up the map is uh, mm-hmm. I had to like look at the map mm-hmm. and look at how far they traveled before then. So, Hobbiton to Bree, let's just say, <laughs> we don't okay, have a scale. so yeah, we don't have a real scale here, but it's the but the length they travel from this point to the end of this
0: chapter, is the same mount.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it takes them, what, five, six days? Five or six days, because, again, they're with Strider. And,
0: yes, and at Weathertop, he says it would take two weeks to get to Rivendell.
1: Yeah, from, from Weathertop to Rivendell. Uh, but, again, yeah, so they're they take they're taking Strider's shortcuts, which Strider assures them his shortcuts will not steer them wrong. <laughs> which, we, we can trust Strider, because he's a ranger. Was a
2: Pippin or Merry, who, like, who was like...
1: Pippin, who was like, the last not time the we the took shortcuts. a shortcut... Mm. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, they, they continue through and finally, well,
0: actually one quick note on the relationship between places. It does say, I think it was Sam when he was sleeping, thought he heard far off horns or something when in Buckland, the horns were being sounded.
1: Oh yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I meant to mention that earlier. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. So that's kind of, that can kind of give you a, a vague placement for, for distance there.
2: I just, you know, sometimes they, they like Tolkien will say a direction and I get a little confused and I have to look at the map and go, oh, now I, I get, if this map wasn't here, I'd be so lost.
1: <laughs> that's why the maps are there.
0: So basically Strider says we're going to Weathertop. Mm-hmm. If Gandalf is going to meet us, that's where it would be. But Weathertop is on the road.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of right out in the open. Yes. Yes. Uh, and we're going to have to leave our cover now.
0: So then, you know, they spend a few more days walking, and they leave the marsh, and they're just kind of plodding along. And the hobbits get used to kind of walking on less food than they would have. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pippin declared that Frodo was looking twice the hobbit that he had been. Very odd, said Frodo, tightening his belt, considering that there's actually a good deal less of me. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope the thinning process will not go on indefinitely, or I
1: shall become a wraith. And Strider scolds him for that. Do not speak of Strider. Don't say great. that stuff.
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Frodo is getting thinner, but maybe he's getting buff. Like, maybe he's getting like super muscly. <laughs> <laughs> imagine so, a buff Hobbit. A buff
1: Hobbit. Uh, like, it's just
2: a two and, and a half foot tall,
0: ball of muscles. Yep, ball, not bowl. <laughs> bowl <laughs> okay. a bowl of loose muscles. Now
2: I'm stuck with the thought of like the Hobbits being cast as Vin Diesel. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, Chain Tatum,
1: and then just being like use use perspe- perspective to shrink.
2: Yeah, out. exactly. Okay, but 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 just their bodies, not their arms <laughs> 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 or their chests.
1: <laughs> so anyway, they reach the foothills, and so Weathertop. Uh, we we had seen it kind of from a distance, and Weathertop is basically it's the tallest mountain in kind of a line. Uh, of of hills and it's also got sort of a f- flattish top and strider you know since again they're out in the open now strider decides to take them on this more secretive path uh which we learn was made a long 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 time ago uh by the men of the west
0: well so mary says i wonder who made this path i'm not sure that i like it it has a well rather a barrow whitish look mm-hmm. is there any barrow on weather top Mm-hmm. And this is when Strider gives them a little bit of history.
1: Yeah, and that this was kind of a path that serves the the, the, the ancient forts that were there, uh, and this was in back in the first age when they were fighting Angmar. Who do we know from Angmar?
2: Wait, Angmar? Uh huh. The the one of the Striders, right? Or
1: oh no 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 no. So Arnor is. You might be thinking Arnor is kind of the sister yeah okay of wait hold on but what did you say Angmar 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 so you might you might be familiar with the Witch King of Angmar
2: that's where I, that's where, exactly what I was talking about okay so we were just I just didn't know how to describe so it
0: So as it turns out Weathertop used to have a watchtower on it mm-hmm. Amansul they called it it was burned and broken and nothing remained of it now but a tumbled ring of stones like a crown on the old hill's head yet it was once tall. "'and fair, it is told that Elendil stood there, "'watching for the coming of gil out of the West "'in the days of the Last Alliance. "'The hobbits gazed at Strider. "'It seemed he was learned in old lore, "'as well as in the ways of the wild. "'Who was Gilgalad? asked Mary, "'but Strider did not answer, and seemed to be lost in thought. "'Suddenly a low voice murmured,
2: "Gilgalad was an elven king. "'Of him the harpers sadly sing, "'the last whose realm was fair and free "'between the mountain and the sea.' His sword was long his lance was keen uh, his shining helm afar was seen the countless stars of heaven field were mirrored in his silver shield but long ago he rode away and where he dwelleth none can say and for into darkness fell his star in mordor where the shadows are
1: so what's interesting here is that it was Bill a pony who said that? Yeah, not Build-A-Pony. But so who, who recited this poem? Because Strider did not answer the question about Gilgalad. No. Who recited this poem? The others turned in
0: amazement, for the voice was Sam's.
1: Sweet, sweet Sam. So Sam, of course, and but, but it makes total sense. So Sam learned this from Mr. Bilbo, because again, Sam is like infatuated with elves, and he would want to learn all the things about elves. So of course yeah, he would yeah. learn this from Bilbo.
0: And Sam even says Mr. Bilbo wrote it. Yeah. And then Strider's but like, <laughs> well, no, 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 Let's not it's get, from, let's not it's not from get an too crazy. an ancient poem mm-hmm. called The Fall of Gilgalad. Mm-hmm. But Bilbo translated it, I guess, which I didn't know, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So it was from, and yeah, there's an, an, old, an old lay, and you can you can read the actual thing, the lay of Gilgalad. But
2: well, and I mean, we've talked about that before, about how Bilbo did translation work, so it's mm-hmm. not out of his character, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway, now finally they reach Weathertop. And Gandalf's there. No. Nope. No. <laughs> but they do <laughs> Alas no, Gandalf is not there. They do
0: note that the place is basically burned and everything's singed and they see a stone kind of sitting on top of a bunch of like what was a, a wall. And the stone on top looks clean and unburnt. And so they, they, they pick it up and they see some scratches. And Frodo says there seems to be a stroke, a dot, and three more strokes. And so previously, do you remember when we talked about Gandalf's letter, how he signed it with the rune?
2: Yeah, that weird tree thing that's yeah. like G in the whatever mm-hmm. runic yeah. language it's like, it's of this area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this is like their description as like, it's like a shorthand for this, having to like write it out. And they like, they're like, sit there, go "It's like so that's the G and the three represents maybe October 3rd. Because this is probably October 15th. This is like October fifteenth or something. This, well, no, it's October
1: sixth. Is think. yeah, October sixth, and okay, so it's yeah, earlier or fifth, fifth rather. So basically, Maybe it was
2: September. I don't know. Like they, they, make they go to like a, they go out there with that three that makes me go
1: yeah.
2: All right, that seems a little like <laughs> well, you're pushing it.
1: All of this is kind of speculation and hopeful thinking as well because we're still rather worried that we mm-hmm. have not heard from Gandalf uh, nor come across him on the journey yet. So it's kind of hopeful thinking that this was a sign from Gandalf and that he was here three days ago. Uh, so, I mean, we don't really know, but... Oh, and so last, last
0: episode, I believe I referred to said runes as Futhark script. Uh, and that's what I thought that the term was within Tolkien's Legendarium. Uh, I believe the term is actually Kirth is the name of the alphabet, and Futhark script is the name of the real-world alphabet mm-hmm. that it's based on. Wow. So, a little correction on my mm-hmm. but it wow. is it's, yeah,
1: it's it's very similar, so it's a...
0: so anyway, yes they they say, okay, Gandalf was here, probably uh just a few days ago, and we missed him, which means that it was not safe for him to stay mm-hmm. uh, that light that we saw flashing and the fact that it's super burnt here means that he probably got in a battle,
1: right. And then, additionally, they get to talking about you know what the plan is now because you know, so Gandalf's not here. Well, we're going to continue on to Rivendell, yes. and this is when Strider tells us that it's basically it's twelve days by 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 his walking to get uh, from here to Rivendell. So about, about about a fortnight, and it's this kind of moment we're told that Frodo really understands the scope of his situation and like the severity of it and how much danger he's actually. And he's kind of standing out uh, at Weathertop and looking all around him and think and realizes this is, they're definitely in danger. They're out completely in, in, in the wild.
2: Well, it was going to take either that or somebody getting killed or somebody really getting hurt mm-hmm. to kind of like for that kind of like perspective to sort of hit where, this isn't all pony rides in october you know it's like th- there th- there's gonna be this like gut check moment mm-hmm. and i would argue it happens in this chapter
1: yeah, yeah. because at the same moment that frodo is realizing how dangerous their circumstances right now he sees far away down on the road he sees some black specks and of course instantly what would you think you think those are black riders. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, he was aware that two black specks were moving westward and three black specks on the other side were moving eastward. And it seemed like they were coming They are converging. Yeah. And so he's like, uh, Strider? <laughs> and Strider's like, I was too careless up there. And then they get into this discussion, um, which has kind of been hinted at before, is do the black riders have sight? Like, are they kind of corporeal? Which we still don't really know. And what he says is that, their horses can see and they have many spies. Mm-hmm. And Mary even says, you know, it seems more like they were smelling us than anything else. Mm-hmm. And It says we are more like a shadow in their world. Um, except for in the bright noon sun, but they can feel when the presence. They basically
1: can't see. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But they can feel the presence of the ring. Right. And so I thought this part was really interesting because if you go back to the Hobbit, when Bilbo is escaping the, uh, through the back door, of the goblin tunnels he, you know, it says that they can't see him, but his shadow is real. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of had that discussion of, like, is the ring making him invisible or is it, like, messing with people's minds? And I think this is kind of, like... It's along the same part thread of that. there, like, yeah. <laughs> their minds are so corrupt that they can't even see, kind of, reality anymore. They can only see, kind of, this darkness.
1: And that's the kind of thing with, with, with the Nazgul is that they're... I mean, you know, they're here, but they're not a part of this world anymore, really. Okay. Like, they have kind of faded out of existence and become this... I, I don't want to use wraith, but that's the that's the yeah. word, you know? I mean, the, so. Chase, did you ever read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy?
2: Long, long, long time ago. Do you
0: remember an Out of the Silent Planet? Nope. Okay. <laughs> in Out of the Silent Planet, and I only bring this up because it's C.S. Lewis, so, you know, these two were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, there are these creatures which ransom, the main character, who is supposedly based off of Tolkien. Um, ransom and encounters these characters, which are kind of like half invisible, half visible to him. And it turns out that they kind of like exist at like a higher plane. Mm-hmm. And so these are supposed to represent kind of like angels and this kind of scientific schema. Um, but that's kind of what this reminds me of is like they don't fully exist in the same world. Yep. So the inter- interfacing with them is a very, very different process.
1: Yeah, exactly. So basically what's happening right now oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, here come the Black Riders. And they really don't have very many options. Strider says, well, there's nowhere else that we could get to by nightfall that would be safe, so mm-hmm. we're just going to have to stay here. The hunker time. down, guys. We're going to and, and prepare ourselves as best we can. And... Uh, they ask Strider to give him more information
0: on, like, Mordor and what's going on. He's like, no, no not now. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll tell you this story instead.
1: <laughs> yeah, so instead, to kind of keep them occupied at night. And it's kind of keeping their minds away from the situation at hand as well. So, uh, Strider says that he will tell them the story of Tenuvial. Do we remember?
2: Oh, I knew. I, Tenuvial. But I, well, I, instantly. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't know that. That word was like, I don't know this word, but
1: yeah, that's a pretty uh, little bit of detail from there.
2: It's the story of Baron and Luthien.
1: Yeah. Yes. So if you recall, Baron, when he saw Luthien dancing on the hill, he gave her the name to Nuviel, which mm-hmm. is night, uh, Nightingale. And so, yeah, we have this. He, he basically tells the story of Beren and Luthien and then explains, explains the song after he has sung it. And it also seems to be very, very meaningful to Strider.
2: Well... I mean, he, he which he, is
1: not uh, without import.
2: Well, he references after this, and if we're coming from this perspective of having read just The Hobbit, not The Silmarillion, which I'm going to try and like keep it as, mm-hmm. he references the fact that these were the kin of Elrond. Mm-hmm. So, not only is this a character that was important in The Hobbit, but it's a character we're pretty certain is going to be important pretty soon, well, just because we're heading to Rivendell and, again. And,
0: and, yeah, and in telling the the. the he quotes the poem initially and then he kind of explains it mm-hmm. and he says that it's rendered much more beautifully in, in elven tongue mm-hmm. but a lot of the nuance is lost nobody really tells it like it was told except for elrond yeah
1: because elrond actually lived yeah and then he <laughs> even he goes that. in and he
0: says that you know he talks about um Irindel and dior and mm-hmm. talks about capturing the silmarils from the crown of melkor and says you know in those days surprising. sauron was just a kind of a, a lieutenant of evil and the big bad lived up in the north in Angband. Yeah. And it's just this very, very brief bit of what we learned in The Silmarillion. Of course, this is the only thing that you would have gotten reading this in the 50s when it had come out. It's like, you know, this is all the backstory you would have gotten. Yeah.
2: I was actually very surprised reading this part. Like, I didn't expect... I expected, you know, references and little tendrils. I didn't expect, like, straight-up Melkor's name <laughs> coming up in this. Well, and he even
0: he even says that... um Elrond's brother, Elwing, like, was the father of the line of kings of yeah. Numenor, otherwise known
1: as S. Which, again, is giving us so much, like, we're going to meet this guy, and he's pretty important.
2: <laughs> Actually, you know what? That would have been really cool. Not, okay, not denouncing how we've done this. Yeah, we
1: have approached but, this in a, in a chronological way.
2: But coming to it, and having coming to it, reading this and nothing else, mm-hmm. and reading that part, would be like... <laughs> Like, your brain would blow up.
1: Mind blown, yeah.
2: Because everything's been so small scale. Like, the Hobbit was small scale. So far, this has been, I mean, smaller, but definitely bigger than the Hobbit. But then once you throw that out there, you're like, wow, history or something. Let
1: me tell you about something thousands of years ago. And this guy, he was there.
2: And we talked (laughs) about stuff that was, you know... I mean, how long ago was the battle uh, where Sauron lost his fingers to the? Um...
1: That was the end of the first age, and we are nearing the end of the yeah, third age and that was right like
2: now. something thousands of years ago. Okay, yeah. we're going further even past that. <laughs> to be fair,
0: they don't know they're ending the near. They're nearing the end of the third age. They don't know. No, they don't know. of no, course. I... Um,
1: we know, but they don't also know.
0: they don't actually call them, uh Melkor or Morgoth. They just say like the Great Evil. The Great one. Evil. Okay. Yeah.
2: A reference but to Melkor yeah, just yeah. seemed, yeah, yeah, it just seemed like, really like, whoa. I just know yeah.
0: that there's one person out there who's like, ears are prickling, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, basically, at the end of the story, I think it's Mary notices the moon and says, wow, the moon is rising, it must be getting really late. And then, they shadows. all feel something. They It's not so much they see shadows as they yeah. feel them.
1: I really liked that, that, the, the, you know, they say, sh- sh- like... It was what, two or three shadows and yeah, they feel more so than see them, which just is terrifying. I mean, have you ever had an odd experience like that where you feel more than see something even? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: You know, like when somebody stands up behind you and you know, they're there. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's
1: like late at night and you're on
0: a road trip and you get like McDonald's and you eat it and you can't see what you're eating. So you have to feel it.
2: And then Tom Bombadil pops
0: on the back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what. Okay.
0: <laughs> this episode underwritten by McDonald's.
1: Uh, so
0: <laughs> much as we have feared, the, the, the Black Riders have come to attack. Mm-hmm. And as has proven to be the case, uh, suddenly the ring is compelling Frodo to wear it. Yeah. And Frodo puts the ring on. And
1: this time he can't resist it.
0: Yes, he puts the ring on, and the the true form of the Black Riders is revealed to them mm-hmm. as these white, kind of kingly dressed men. Mm-hmm.
1: They're all wearing helms and they all have swords. And then and the
2: white faces, yeah.
1: Right, and one in particular comes forward, and he's wearing a crown, and he's taller. And than he's the got others like flowing well. hair, and
0: he has both a sword.
1: And a dagger.
0: And at this point, Frodo kind of like throws himself at his feet. And
1: Frodo has drawn his own little sword, which I like that, that, that the way it looks to him in this kind of ring wearing world mm. <laughs> is that it, it's like glowing like a hot brand. Yes. Yeah. yeah, kind of, kind of neat. This is
2: very visual in yeah. this chapter. Oh, yeah. So
1: yeah, very, absolutely. Which it should be too at this moment. It's, I really liked the the images used uh, to describe what happens at Weathertop here. Um.
0: And suddenly, Frodo finds himself being pierced in the left shoulder. Yeah, and then he sees Strider leaping out with a flaming stick. Yeah, and manages to take the ring off. And that's basically the end of the yeah, that's and, yeah, and
1: Frodo kind of passes out. But that image of Strider leaping out is kind of like again. I feel like this is something that you can totally see in your mind's eye. Like. You know, Frodo, Frodo has been stabbed and he's in agony over here. And then as he's kind of like falling back, I just, you get this image of this, you know, weather worn, but also at the same time, really worldly guy that we've just met, just like charging heroically into battle against five ring race. My,
2: my 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 vision of like what it's like to go into like when you put on the ring and you kind of go into the, have that perspective. And I feel like we've not had many descriptions of it because I feel like it's actually not. It's been really benign. Like mm-hmm. you put on the ring and mostly it looks the same. Maybe like you've got a sepia filter over your eyes. I don't know, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but but nothing really changes for you. Um, but. I had this moment, like, this is the first time we've had this moment where things are charged, and things are crazy, and when you put on the ring, things change, and it was almost like my vision, the way these guys looked was almost like whenever, like, imagine these guys in these, like, cloaks, and they're in the cloaks, and there's nothing to be seen on the inside, but it's almost like... Like suddenly holding up like an ultraviolet light to them, or a, <laughs> like a, or a black light, and all of a sudden, boom, they're there. Well, exactly, is what it came to my mind of just yeah. it's like like almost like I didn't I don't necessarily see them as I didn't my mind I didn't see them necessarily as glowing, but just suddenly they were form they had form
1: right well and they're thrown into relief uh and and like Frodo in Frodo's vision now they're thrown into relief and it's like oh. Yeah, so that's what they look like. And they're terrifying. <laughs> I mean, like before it was kind of like the, the way they were described is absolutely terrifying. Like you think about like a black bundle, right? And all yeah. and the, you know, the, the horrific kind of sniffing thing. And so that's terrifying, too, because it's the unknown. But this is like, he sees this form, and they look
2: menacing, menacing. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it adds another dimension to the the threat of the this, of the ring race. This is
2: something I didn't it, didn't, it came to me this past week, but I found a cultural, since I keep doing this now, <laughs> but I found a cultural connection um, to Lord of the Rings from something recently. In the game Dark Souls, mm-hmm. there is a boss called the Four Kings, who look, oddly enough, kind of the way the ring race are described in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Like, very close. And I had this moment of thought. And the thing is, like, you kill when you... There's more than four, actually. There's, like, nine. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I feel like Miyazaki in that took inspiration from these characters and plunked it into this video oh, game. Oh, yeah.
1: And that's... I. I Yeah, I'm always interested to hear bits and pieces here and there from things that clearly have been influenced by, by Lord of the Rings. Because it's... Yeah.
2: You two? Have ruined me
1: <laughs> because I am every time you're like playing a game now, you're like, yep,
2: well, and us. also we're reading in the other podcast, I'm on Crimson Kingcast, we're reading the Dark Tap, we're reading the Gunslinger, mm-hmm. and I've already been doing this. But I've been like, <laughs> g- like Gilead seems like, Gil- Gil-Galad, like Gilgalad, like in like in, in like the, the same sort of like you know, I was like, oh my god, I'm doing it, I'm
0: doing it.
1: You have, well, you're currently reading the father of fantasy, so I know.
0: <laughs> um so i'm gonna I'm gonna start off right now and just say that my favorite part was the payoff from having read the Mm-hmm. I know
1: with, that's like with that whole barrier. yeah, like ban- I know this is
0: like a major like ooh, my payoff is the entire podcast or my favorite part is this entire podcast. <laughs> like I like that we have the opportunity to get this rich, full, detailed understanding that. Originally would not have been the case when this book first came out. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of like meta reading the text, but, mm-hmm. you know, that was just my favorite part. It's like, is like, oh man, I understand, like, the universe that this fits into.
1: Right. You're like, oh, we're the lucky ones. <laughs> I have it narrowed down to two. Chase, what's your favorite first? Oh, the
2: description <laughs> of, like, easily, the description of the ring rise at the very end. Like, yeah. that's my favorite thing, because I know... I mean, I'm sitting here, I know who those guys are, I know where they come from, but it it still didn't seem, it wasn't, it was still surprising in a way, even though, like, we've gone through this whole thing and they've been so, like, I've, I've imagined them as, like, hunks of rags filled with <laughs> gas for the most part, like, with, like, like, because, like, when they describe, like, when they, when, when Tolkien describes them as, like, around, I'm literally imagining like this like thing of racks like plonking down the ground and like smoke going out. Like I swear to like that's how I've just this thought of them as. And then having this moment, it's like
1: you can visualize them a little more clearly. Just, well, no, not even
2: that. I'm like now imagining like okay, what if you have the ring on and you see them and they do that? Do they just like <laughs> like like <laughs>
1: morph I, into?
0: <laughs> I just had the thought of um photoshopping the nine justices of the Supreme Court to look like rats. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, I think that my favorite part comes from uh, so th- they're talking about fire as they're basically they they know that the Black Riders are approaching them at they're at Weta Top, yeah. and they're talking about the fire and I think one of the Hobbits remarks that building a fire is a, basically a welcome sign like hey we're mm. over here come in and Strider makes this comment that I really like and it's he says basically that Sauron uses fire for evil but we can use it to our advantage against the black riders because that's something that the black riders are averse to is fire um like you can you can kind of use it to your advantage to fight them off and i i liked that comment of like here's kind of a weapon that sauron uses for evil and we can use the same exact thing yeah for our own Good purposes. I mean,
2: like, there's almost like an element of like anything that is associated with more, like with Mordor
1: mm-hmm.
2: and with Sauron, mm-hmm. there comes with a certain amount of intentionality behind things. Mm-hmm. Like when you put on the ring and you see everything else, nothing, nothing, nothing looks weird. But then we get in the situation where everything is on its head. Mm-hmm. Intentions are different. There is a like, there is a note to. Maim or kill or murder or take away, and somehow that gets exposed now. Maybe there's something to that. That that's what sort of like well, if we're talking about things moving on a different plane, there might be something to that, like emotional interactions having that like like, like power in this moment.
0: Well, we also get into. Um, I mean, we get a little hint when Frodo says, i um, you know, I hope I don't waste away too much. I'll turn into a wraith." Mm-hmm. And Strider like very so, says, "Don't joke about that," because. Mm-hmm. As is what happened with the rings. It's kind of the more you wear the ring, the more yeah. you belong in that
1: mm-hmm.
0: plane of existence.
1: Yeah. And there's another moment where I think that the hobbits are mentioning Mordor and Strider kind of again scolded them, like, don't say that name so loudly. Yeah,
2: don't do that.
0: <laughs> He's turned it into a... A spell and his <laughs> Oh to, God! Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no.
2: Well, I mean, if we, mm-hmm. I feel like there's almost like a like when you have like a moment like on the podcast each week around like we pull out a cultural thing that has <laughs> some weird connection because I just realized there's a villain of Wonder Woman mm-hmm. that is similar to how we just kind of described Sauron, right? Then, or how it's called a genocide, mm-hmm. and she's actually like one point in the far off future, Wonder Woman dies. Mm-hmm. Some point in the future, and a bunch of her worst enemies take her body. And using, like, Earth from all parts of the world where horrible genocide have happened, formulate this supervillain called Genocide. And she draws power from anything that is a tool of war. But the thing is, the Amazons, since they've not known war on their own island, they capture and put her on Themyscira because... They have used all of their tool, all of their weapons for training, mm-hmm. but not for actually killing, killing, so she can't actually draw any power from them.
1: that's the same kind of vein, yeah, yeah exactly it, you know it's yeah things are things are it, you you can use things in several different ways for yeah. good or for evil, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: violence is like her energy source right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there we have it, yeah. So uh, next week, we will be reading...
2: The last chapter of this book.
1: Yeah, uh, Flight to the Ford. And End of
2: book one of Fellowship of the Ring. book one. This time
1: next week, you will have read another. one book. One-sixth of The Lord of the Rings. I'm ready.
2: You know, you're going to get it. You're going to get the tweet from me going, Hey, guys, I finished another Tolkien book.
0: <laughs> I mean, by our, Only
1: in a technical By our
0: page count, we're 19% through with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Technically a little more than one
1: sixth.
2: Based on my broke up one, it's like we're like exactly 50% of like <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring.
0: Yeah. So earlier I was trying to figure out why October 22nd was like sticking in my head. I was like, that's a significant day. And I realized it's because yesterday was back to the future day.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. So, yesterday was back to the future day.
2: Also, uh, Mattel put up a a a, um, a, tr- a, a commercial for a hoverboard and it's the dumbest but kind of <laughs> awesome thing it is dumb but it's kind of great I mean
0: my my Marty McFly hat came in <laughs> I want my hoverboard so
2: I got a really good picture of the, Mar- the guy dressed like Marty McFly around here so alright well
0: thanks for listening everyone
2: I'm John and I'm Katie and I'm Chase
0: thank you for listening to talking Tolkien. you can find us online at talking and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtalking.com.
1: we are also talking talking on facebook twitter itunes and stitcher if you're an itunes subscriber and you like what you hear please be sure to give us a rating and review
2: we also have a patreon account where you can donate as little as one dollar per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space every little bit is appreciated
1: Didn't know it was gonna get sexy in here. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs>